open your Bibles. You can be seated because we're going to go on a journey tonight. And uh, there's several passages of Scripture that we're going to be reading from. But we're going to begin in Matthew chapter uh, chapter 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew the 6th chapter, uh, we'll pick up there in a moment. We're going to begin reading in verse number 5. Matthew chapter 6. And I have several other verses that we're going to be looking at. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, and uh, also Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Uh, and we're going to throw in a few others. Psalms 1, uh, verses 3, uh, Joshua 1, 8, I believe. So just have your Bibles handy. Uh, Wednesday night is going to become a night of Bible study again for our church family. And uh, we're going to be looking at a new format coming the month of uh, February. The first Wednesday night of the month will be a joint worship night. Everybody will be in the auditorium. And then the rest of the nights in the week, uh, Wednesday nights in the month will be separated into classes. But every one of those classes are going to be going down the same road Uh, on different levels of what we're going to be studying here in this place tonight. Uh, We started a journey, and I don't know if you remember that, because we've had something else happen in the meantime, but uh, Wednesday night, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we began a journey toward spiritual understanding of what what, what being a disciple is, of Jesus Christ really means and what it entails. A journey that I pray will produce growth and development and it will contain the elements, the building blocks to uh, a deeper, more profound uh, spiritual life. It has been my prayer and I continue to pray that, that God will strengthen us You know, most everybody in here tonight has been around the church a long, long time. There are very few that have not been in the church for a good season of life. And I think we forget sometimes uh, what it was like when we didn't know. Because we know so much. We've heard so much. And after a while, we just kind of put it into the archives and... We don't really think about, we don't consider what it means. And so I've purposed, I told our leadership staff, I felt it very strongly last year and I didn't feel like we could do it under the circumstances, but I told them that the beginning of this year we were going to begin a spiritual journey. And uh, the purpose of our journey uh, is to nurture and grow and mature, develop, our relationship with the Lord. And we're going to go back over some elemental things, elementary to some of you, uh, but elementary uh, is not without its value. Sometimes uh, we need to be reminded of the simple things to help me appreciate more fully what has been Uh, given to me and what I have been born into is uh, what I hope that we rediscover, the body of Christ, what it means to be a part of the church and that we would would rediscover some things, that we would reacquaint ourselves with the value of those things, those principles in our life, what it means to be a disciple. And I want us somehow through all of that to gain a new set of priorities and refocus uh, our attention on what should be my daily endeavor of becoming what the Lord would desire of me to become. So how, how do you get to know new friends? What are the ways in which you as an as a individual, get to know somebody new. Spend time with them. Talk to them. Find out their interest. Discover more about them. 
You are investing. You share your story. You talk about your life. But I think perhaps the greatest way that we deepen friendships is by being in their company on a regular basis. Because the longer you're together, the more that you know about somebody, the more familiar you become with them, the deeper your love grows for them. And so it is in our relationship with the Lord. The more time we spend with Him, the more time we get to knowing Him, the more we will certainly love him. So for the next little while tonight, and I am working against the clock because I have a lot of material to cover, but I want us to look at some of the disciplines that are essential if we are going to deepen our relationship with the Lord and we are going to broaden our understanding of the Lord and we are going to come to a closer relationship with him. These are the disciplines that will enable that to happen. And there are four or five that I am going to mention tonight. But my relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord is not like so many times we think of it in terms of uh, of, of, of a higher authority to a lower authority, even though that is true in a sense. When the Lord began to talk about our relationship with him, he talked about it more in these terms. Listen to what Paul said in Romans eight seventeen. He said, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together or lifted up together. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Paul said, For we are laborers together with God. It's hard for us to conceive of that idea that I am working alongside. I am working in conjunction. That's how God wants me to view my relationship with him, that we are laborers together. Certainly, he is the head. He is the, he is the vine dresser. He is the husband. I am the husbandry. I am the, the, the fruit of his labor, but there is a partnership there that must go on, and that is what we want to look at tonight, how that partnership can flourish and how that relationship can deepen in my life. We are invited to connect with him, and Scripture is replete with examples of that. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen said, And you shall seek me and Find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Amos 4 or 5 and 4 said, For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me and you shall live. James 4 and 8 says, Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto thee. And you see it over and over in the stories of the New Testament. A man by the name of Bartimaeus, blind and sitting by the highway. But when he heard that Jesus was coming by, the scripture said he lifted up his voice and he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said that Jesus stopped in his journey to go and minister to that man in his need. The friends of the paralytic that... Uh, found him in the house that was filled to capacity. And yet they went up on the roof and tore a hole and they let their friend in. And the Bible said when he saw their faith, God responded to their action. He responded to their efforts to get close to him. He responded to somebody crying out to him. 
and calling upon him. The woman with the issue of blood trying to push her way through a crowd of people just so she can touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible said she said within herself, in the Greek it is a continuing action. So it's not something she said one time, but she, she kept saying that, oh, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, if I can, if I can, just, if I can just touch him. And when she touched him, he stopped and said, oh, virtue has gone out of me. He responded to that person reaching out to him, the lepers that cried out, Lord, heal us. And the Lord was there to meet their need. The fact is, the Lord meets the desperate and the desirous person in their place of need. And that principle has not changed in all of the years that I have known the Lord. It still works today. When you reach for Him, He reaches for you. Now, this does not insinuate that God is reluctant to be found. Seek me and you shall find. That doesn't mean that God's playing hide and seek from us. But it is indicating that God is looking for a certain desire. God is looking for a certain element of desire in my life. And he responds when he sees that desire, when he senses that hunger, when he sees there is a wanting, a need there, then God is going to respond. Amen. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Cultivating a desire to draw closer to God leads to a more intimate relationship with Him. And here are some ways that we can do that, how we can grow closer to God. Now, I understand what I'm going to say to you. You already know, so please don't tune me off or tune me out or whatever you do. Just, just listen and absorb because I'm just telling you right now, as your pastor, we're not doing all the things we know to do. You can clap your hands on that. Amen. I am not doing all the things that I know to do. So here's the point. I want to make 2021 different. I want to make this the year of spiritual opportunity in my life where I go deeper in Him, where I get closer to Him, where I come to know Him in a deeper way than I have ever known Him before. So number one, and this should not be a strange thing for me to say to you, but the number one way that I know of, of cultivating and developing my relationship with Him is through prayer. But not just prayer, it is developing a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. A way of life. Not that ever, I think most everybody in the world prays at some time. Even the atheists prayed when the towers were coming down. They pray when they're in the foxhole. So I'm not talking about people that just know that prayer is something we're supposed to do. What I'm talking about is incorporating that into my life so that it becomes a daily part of who I am, what I do. Just like I like coffee in the morning. I like toast. I like jelly on my toast. I have to have my eggs, one over easy, one over hard, and don't get them mixed up. I'm just kidding. Some of you need a smile right now. But just like there are certain routines in my life, I get up in the morning, first thing I do, I go brush my teeth, whatever you do. Some of you, you don't know what your routine is yet. But you have a routine. There's certain things, I promise you, you have one because if somebody were to disrupt that, you'd, you'd be a person to be interesting to deal with. Am I not saying so? 
Am I not telling you the truth tonight? We all have it. It's just there's certain things. That, that's what prayer needs to become, a lifestyle, not just something that we do. And here's why I believe prayer has become an, an, an ineffective part of the church is because it's just something that we do on a part-time basis. We do it if we come to church. We do it if they call special prayer. We do it if somebody reminds us. But it's not something that we incorporate in our lives on a daily basis. And what I'm here to tell you is we need to make it a daily habit to talk to the Lord and not only talk to Him, but allow Him to talk back to us. Amen. Somebody say pray. Make prayer a lifestyle, not just something that we do from time to time, but a daily, regular routine. One of the chief pathways to connecting with God is through prayer. Prayer is the primary means of me communicating with Him and He communicating with me. Prayer to the child of God is like Jet fuel is to an airline. Amen. It's like oxygen is to the human body. It's like water is to a fish. It's like a textbook to a scholar. They go hand in hand and it is a sad day when that is not a part of my routine. It's not a part of my daily activity because prayer is prayer's energy. Prayer's energy uh, is that connection that sinks me with a God who loves me and cares for me and wants to know me and he wants me to know him. Amen. Prayer transports my mind and my heart from the troubles of this life into the presence of the Lord where there is always an answer. James was right when he said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer must be a daily thing. It's important for you and I to realize how much God wants to connect with us and will honor us when we do pray. If this were not so, then why are there so many scriptures in this Bible that deal with my prayer or my calling out to Him or my crying out to Him? Why are so many of the Psalms immersed with the idea of lifting the voice and calling out to God and then in turn hearing what God does to those who call out to Him? If prayer was not an essential element, then why would it be filled in this book from cover to cover? The essential nature of what I'm talking about. Amen. Praise God. Prayer must become a daily ritual. Our goal in prayer is not to learn religious jargon, but it is to develop a relationship. Prayer is not a ritual to recite nor is it a formula to repeat, now I lay me down to sleep. I, there's nothing wrong with that prayer unless that's all that you ever pray. And if that's what you're still praying, then you need to graduate from the, 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 the daycare of prayer and move up into a higher grade because there's more to prayer than just reciting a ritual. It's coming to understand what prayer is and how easy it is, how easy God has made it for us to communicate. This is what's so amazing about God. He didn't require that I have a certain intellect. He didn't require that I have a certain standing in life. He didn't require that I have a certain bank account. He didn't require that I have a certain educational background. He just said, if you will call upon me, I will answer you. Amen. Praise God. So it is, it, it is not just some formula, but it is a relationship. Everybody say that word, relationship. Remember what you said about building a relationship, what it takes? It is so also in prayer. Here are some helps. 
that I want to give you in establishing a lifestyle of prayer. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. They're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to begin reading with verse number 5. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read beginning with verse 5. And it reads like this. When thou prayest that thou, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in their synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, pray, uh, pray, they have their own reward. But thou, when thou prayest, everybody say when thou prayest, Underline those words, when thou prayest. That indicates to me that prayer was an expected practice that he had toward his disciples. That when you and I want to know him, that in order to know him, we're going to have to develop this lifestyle of prayer. And so he said, but when you pray, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So here's a simple thing about prayer. Prayer is not about the volume of your words or the volume of the noise of your words. It is about connecting your heart to his and doing it with the words that you use on a daily basis, the same words that you use to connect to your spouse or your friends are the same words he wants us to use to connect to him. God, I love you. I thank you for your mercies. I'm grateful for your goodness. I'm thanking you for this day. I glorify your name. I worship you. You don't have to go to school to learn some 50-cent vocabulary in order to talk to God. You can do like one man who just came to the Lord in one of our revivals years ago. He didn't even know what prayer was, but he knew what God had done for him the night God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And so the next night, he came into church. He was on the front row. He was just bubbling. He was a live wire, folks. I'm telling you, motorcycle rider came in, long hair, but the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. We baptized him the next night. He's on the front row. And all he knew to say was, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I got to looking around at that old congregation, and I knew, man, that was like rubbing the fur the wrong way on a cat. Don't he know that's not how you talk to the Lord? Don't let your lack of words intimidate you into not praying. Pray with what words you have and develop that. And this is what I learned about prayer early on. That when I use the words that I have, God gives me the words that I don't have. He helps me. He works me along. And all of a sudden, things come into my mind that I didn't even think about. I couldn't have thought about except for the inspiration of his spirit. That's what prayer. So when you pray, everybody say, when you pray, turn to your neighbor and say that. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions, but talk to him out of your heart. Talk to him out of your inner being. Use not vain repetitions, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth the things that you have need of before you ask Him. So if He already knows, why does He want you to ask? Because He wants a relationship. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to get familiar with Him so that when you come to Him, you're not coming like a beaten up child and reluctant to ask for anything, but you come like my grandkids. They just bust into my office. They don't knock or ask permission. They don't even care who's in there. Why? Because they know that that's their poppy in there and, and, and they have the freedom to come in. That's what the Lord wants me to feel toward him, that I have that free access that I can come and I don't have to, I don't have to knock to get permission. I don't have to earn merit so that I can get entrance. You know, somehow that's how some of 
the people of the Lord have become that you have to earn certain merits to get into their presence? Forget that. First of all, I'm not interested. And neither is the Lord. He just wants people that are hungry for him, thirsty for him. You ever seen a real thirsty man? He's not real careful about how he drinks. I mean, he is. Oh, man. Oh, pardon me. I'm so sorry. I've embarrassed some of you folks tonight. Too many of us are like. And we just need to turn it up sometimes. We need to be so hungry for him that we don't care what anybody thinks about us. We don't care what anybody's going to say about us. We don't care how they're going to feel about us. There's, that's no, we're interested in him. And we want him to know we're hungry for you. I thirst for you, Lord. I want to get close to you today. I want you to draw close to me. I want you to talk to me. Amen. I didn't mean to preach tonight. I, that's not my purpose. I want to teach to you. Amen. Somebody say, when you pray, one more time. Amen. It's a daily thing. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Daily. Establishing a daily commitment of prayer is an essential part of developing my relationship with him. And so here is how that time of prayer can be spent. And it's so simple. He gave it to us right here in Scripture. So look at verses 9 down through verse 13. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a powerful pattern. Not something for me just to repeat. That's what denominal churches have taught. That if you repeat this, you're praying. I'm not saying that's not a prayer. But that's not what he intended for me when he gave me that model. It is a model. This is a sample. This is an illustration of how to pray. So here is the breakdown of that. He begins with praise and thanksgiving and exultation. So the first step to take when you begin prayer is to begin with praise and thanksgiving and exultation. And when you have done that for a season of time, and it doesn't have to last all day, but at least for a season of time in prayer, then you can move into a posture of submission in prayer. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Whatever it is, God, that you want to accomplish, let that be done in my life. And when you've done that part of submitting to him and establishing his will as the priority, your kingdom come, thy will be done. The next step in prayer is to ask God for your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's forgiveness and there is the giving of forgiveness. And on and on, my needs and others' needs that we ask Him. And we ask for those things. We ask God to keep us and deliver us from temptation and evil to protect us from the enemy of our soul and then we can close it back out with a time of praise and worship. What a simple pattern for prayer. What a simple way to pray. Begin with praise. Submit yourself to the Lord. Tell Him what you need. Make your petitions known unto Him. Forgive let forgiveness flow out of you. Deliver me, God. Keep your hand upon me, God. Protect me, God. And then close it out with another good round of prayer and praise. What a great pattern for prayer. Amen. How easy is that, folks? That's, that is elementary. 
But that's what he intended for us to understand. That Now, prayer doesn't always stay on that elementary level because he went further on to talk about supplications and, and intercessions and, and there's deeper levels of prayer. But in order for me to get to those deeper levels, I've got to start here. I have to develop this part of my prayer life first. And when I've developed that, then as I continue to pray, he leads me into deeper relationships with him and I get to know more about him, just like you do with your friends. The first time you meet them, they don't tell you their, well, at least most people don't, your, their whole life story. Even if they do, they hold back some secrets. It's not until you've known them for a long, long time that they'll say, you know what, I've never told you this before. And this is confidential. And they revealed something. That didn't happen the first time for most people unless they got a short wave up here. Uh, I mean, we just don't do that. There's just some things that are so private. You got to get to know me before I'm going to open myself up to you. So if we want to know God in those ways, if we want God to reveal himself in those ways to us, we have to come to the point of, of, of developing that relationship and we start here at this elementary level. And you know what? I've been praying now for, for most of my life. I'm 65 years old and listen, it hasn't changed. It still works. That's still how I pray. Now, I may add a few other things to it, but that's still the way that I have learned to pray. And you know what? It still works. Praise, submission, needs, forgiveness, praise. Wow, what a powerful, simple pattern to learn how to pray. Prayer is a relational thing. Listen to me. You have to understand that about prayer. It's a relational thing and it should not be hurried or rushed. Amen. It's just, poop, let's go. You know, some people feel like they prayed when they just walk through the prayer room. They just walk in one door and walk out the other. I pray. Come on, folks. We know that's not real prayer. And if, listen to me. If we, really, if we really believe what we say we believe about the end time and about revival and about what God's talked to this church about doing, that's not going to produce what we've promised or God's promised to us. The reason God promised us those things is because we have made that a pattern and we're going to continue to make that a pattern. We have a prayer room now. Last Sunday night, a week before anniversary, that place was packed. That's the way it needs to be every service. Every time we come, we ought to make that the first place we go through. Go to the coffee shop. It's going to be open now. Get a cup of coffee. But make sure you go through there because that's the powerhouse of our church. Somebody asked C.H. Spurgeon one time, had the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, the largest church, I guess, in the world at that time, Thousands upon thousands came out every Sunday to hear him. He had no microphone. He had just a, a projected pulpit area. There was four or five levels to the church, and they sat on all these levels. It was designed to carry his voice. They came. Somebody came to him. Somebody that was curious and maybe a little envious about church growth and all that and wanted to know, what's the secret here, bro? What's the, what, 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 what have you learned? What marketing skills have you developed? And so... The story goes that C.H. Spurgeon took them down into the basement and he started moving toward this room, toward the back of the basement and the closer they got to it, it was like a roar that was coming and first it confused the guy because he didn't, he, he couldn't figure out maybe it's an engine or some kind of, there's some kind of something going on and then he opened the doors and it was jam-packed, service time, but it was jam-packed with people and he said every service that goes on at Metropolitan Tabernacle. This building is full upstairs, but this room is also full down here. And while we're having church up there, they're praying down here. And this is the power source. This is the secret to the growth. And it's never changed, folks. It's never changed. Amen. Somebody say, I'm going to pray more. 
Come on, say it. I am going to pray more. Embrace the opportunity to connect with Him. And when you do, it will transform your life. Don't be afraid to pray. Say, I'm unworthy. I don't know what to say. Just start talking. It'll come. Amen. Prayer is an exciting journey when you get on it. And I promise you that the further you go along, the more you're going to want to go into the depth of prayer. And I'm not going to spend any more time there. Number two, the second discipline that you and I need in our life, if there's going to be that deepening relationship with Him, is that there's there's got to be a daily visit to the Word. There's got to be daily in the Word. The journey to a better me is going to happen in an ongoing process as I put myself into the Word and I read the Word. And it's so simple. I mean, everybody that's got a smartphone, or even if you have a dumb phone, even on dumb phones, they have Bible apps. You don't have to go get your Bible, even though that's still the best way as far as I'm concerned. You can get a Bible app, and it'll give you a plan to read. You don't even have to figure out, what am I going to read today? You just, just decide on a plan, and it automatically pops up. You can choose a verse for the day. And, and that pops up on your screen. Why is that important? Because that's part of my developing a relationship. Because if I want to know anything about him, this is where it comes from. This is where it happened. It doesn't happen with me standing outside. It happens with me going into the Word. So I want to be daily in the Word. The way that we stand resolute in this hour is to know the Word and to have that Word in us. His Word must be the anchor of my life and my beliefs. And it is very important. Listen to me, church family. We need to get away from Facebook and Twitter and all these other places that are shaping and influencing our thoughts and get back to what the Word says because the Word is going to stand forever. They may not believe it tonight, but Facebook is going to fall and Twitter is going to fall and Instagram is going to fall. The only thing that's going to stand, he said, is this Word of His. And so if I'm going to pour myself into anything, I need to pour myself into His Word. And I need to do that on a daily basis. That Word is what helps build my faith and give me a greater understanding of who He is and who I am supposed to be and what I should be working to become. Understanding that will help you get more and more into his word, daily reading. As I feed my natural physical body, I must also feed my spiritual man because my health, my stamina, my energy, the robustness of my life is dependent on a good diet. Amen. Now, I love candy, and I think most people love They know that about me. I love Bluebell. I confess. I'm going to come to the altar tonight, and I'm going to pray. I'm not really doing, I don't know what I'm going to pray through over Bluebell, but I'm going to, but that's not my daily diet, even though some people think that is, because I know that that's unhealthy. The only way I'm going to, to be healthy and strong and capable of doing what I need to do is eating properly. Amen. And the reason you're doing so well tonight, you must be eating pretty good. You look good tonight. Amen. You do. I don't see any hollow eyes. I don't see any caved-in jaws. I see some nice, beautiful, lovely, healthy people. (laughs) And so it is in the spirit, man. There has to be a food that I feed on. And it's not found on the internet. It's not found on social media. It's found in the Word of God. The Bible becomes a mirror that shows me who I am and shows me who I can become. 
and helps me see the pathway to becoming that better person. Who would not want to know that? If this holds the secret to me, why would I not want to read it? Why would I not want to study it? Why would I not want to know more about it? Why would I not want to familiarize it? Why would I not want to memorize it? Why would I not want to quote it? Because I am quoting the prophecies concerning my own life. If you want an interesting study, I challenge you, go study Psalms 119. The entire psalm involves one subject, the Word of God. And go read the 119th Psalm and look at all of the blessings that follow that word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And over and over, what a powerful illustration it is. God communicates to us through his word. The reason we should read it daily is because that's the news, the good news. I know some people, they have to have a newspaper or they've got to read the news and I'm not against that. I've I've, I've kind of gotten off of that myself because there's not really any news anymore but whatever, there's, there's something out there but when I read the word I'm reading the good news. Amen. And here's what I I want you to write down. Please write this down. If you've got a pen, if you don't have a pen, write it in the table of your heart. When you read the word of God, read it with an anticipation of hearing back from him. When you read the word, don't just read it as a black and white print or red and white print, or whatever it is in your, however it is in your version of the Bible. Don't just read it like you would a novel, but read it with the expectation that it is going to speak back to you. Read it with anticipation. When you start reading the word with anticipation of hearing from him, that it's going to speak to me, that it's going to talk to me, that it's going to relate to where I am, it's going to talk to me about the issues in my life, it changes your whole perspective on reading the word. It's not a drudgery. It's not something you have to do. We find ourselves on a pathway to spiritual growth when we immerse ourselves in the word and we make it a ritual, a daily, a part of our life, a lifestyle of the word. Second Timothy 3.16 gives us a glimpse of what the word of God does in our lives. And if you will turn there, I'm going to try to get my Bible open. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. He said, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed. And is profitable. And he names four things here. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and all of this for righteousness, for right living. Okay, let's talk about what doctrine is. Doctrine is teaching or instruction that, I don't, this is not the proper term, but learns you the path of life. That was my dad. He said, what did, that, what did that learn you? Yeah. Instead of what did that teach you, what did that learn you? There's something about the Word of God that is an ongoing education process. An ongoing education process. And you know what? I've been reading this since I was a child. And every time I go back to it, I see things in it that I never saw even though I've read the same things and I've told you this before. It's because Hebrews says that it's quick and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Discerner of the thought and intents of the Lord goes down to the marrow of the bone. Why is the word of God so important? Because there's nothing that can penetrate my life and can get down to the real me like the word. Amen. That's why I need to make it a daily habit, reading the word doctrine. The word reproof. Reproof 
means the proving of something that by which a thing is tested to be of value or worth. Now listen, we have the wrong conception of a test. We think the test is God's anger being poured out on us and he's getting mad or he's getting back at us for some failure in our life. But the reason God tests me is to prove that I am who I am. He proves me. He tests me so that there's a value that comes. They take that 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 uh, gl- clump of, of rock and debris that comes from the mountain and they put it in to the smelter and they put it under the heat and it begins to melt away and, and all of the impurities can be separated from But then there's a, even a hotter fire to bring it to its purest form. They're not doing that to destroy that. They're doing that to bring the purity out in that Substance, And so it is with the test that God brings. Those reproofs that come in my life. I need them. I need somebody to stand up in my life every once in a while and say, you can't do that and be blessed. Everybody loves, God loves everybody. He does. But his love will not exempt you from doing dumb things. It will not exempt me from doing things that I shouldn't do. His love isn't a blanket that just covers up everything so we just love, 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 love. I believe in that. Folks, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm just telling you that I need a voice in my life that said, ooh, son, you need to correct that attitude. You can't talk to them like that and then come and talk to me like we're friends because that's my child. Oh, they belong to me. You know what's interesting? I don't want to mess up a good sermon I'm working on. But when Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so he could get a better perspective, a better vision, he could see him more clearly. The Lord stopped under his tree and he went to his house and, and something happened. I don't know if it was on the way, but somewhere something happened that brought conviction to that man's heart. He was a tax collector. He was a thief. He was a cheat. And when he got to, he said, Lord, everything that I've taken, what I've stolen, I've gotten by impure methods. I'm going to give back. I want to bless people. I want to change my ways. And the Lord said, today salvation has come to your house. But get this point. I wish they could put that verse up. I don't remember what it is. But he said the reason for that is because he is still a son of Abraham. Now some people would have said that he didn't deserve it because he had gotten in, in, in bed with the Romans and he was a pawn of the Romans and he was part of the problem He was part of the issue in the land at that time, the oppression that was there. And yet the Lord blessed him and allowed salvation to come to his house because he said he is a child of Abraham. He's a son of Abraham. The reason that I need to be careful about how I treat somebody else in this place or anywhere else is because the true fact is they are a child of God. They may not know it yet and they may not have come to that relationship yet, but they were created in his image image and they were made in his likeness and they were created to serve him amen I don't believe God created anybody to be lost but there's going to be people that will be lost I'm running out of time amen everybody say correction correction what is correction correction is straightening up now how many of you will be honest enough to admit tonight that every once in a while you need to straighten up Fly right. Now, we don't like anybody else to tell us that. But here's the great news. When you get into this, this will do it to you where nobody else knows about it. And you and God can take care of that issue and it doesn't have to be broadcast on the screen. That's the wonderful part about getting into the Word. Correction. It is straightening up. Not only that, but this is more important. It means restoring to an upright state. So evidently, there's an indication that life has a way of getting us down, burdening us, and pushing us 
down with its pressures and its problem. And yet correction is a way of lifting us back up. Say, hey, look in that mirror. Who are you? Who do you belong to? Live like that. Act like that. Correction is an improvement. Everybody like improvements? Correction is an improvement of life or character. Let me tell you something about about life and character. This is a fact. You can write it down and you can put it in your little bank of remembrance. But talent can take a person a lot farther than their character can keep them. So if you're going to develop anything in your life, I don't care how talented you are, your first priority should be working on who I am, my character. Because I know a lot of talented people that have shipwrecked in life. I know a man that wooed people and churches. Hundreds of people came to the Lord filled with the Holy Ghost in his revivals. He is a reprobate. Uh, He died a reprobate. I'm telling you, he was so messed up And he was so far from God. And what happened? His talent took him a lot farther. He had so many weaknesses and flaws in his character that he never spent enough time in this book for there to be enough correction, realigning, getting those things in their proper order that he shipwrecked. Amen. Everybody say instruction. Instruction, that means education. Care, training, cultivation of mind, morals, correcting our mistakes and curbing our passions and instructing us in ways that increase our virtue. So those are the four things that the Word does. Doctrine, reproof, correct, instruct, and all of it for righteousness, for the purpose of improving my character. Amen. You ought to nudge your neighbor and say, God needs to work on me. Now, you thought I was going to say work on you, but I didn't. God needs to work on me. He does. He does. He does. Amen. I'm hurrying. Number three, meditate on the, on, on the word and, and, and prayer daily. Meditate on God and the word daily. Joshua 1 and 8, he talks about meditating on the word, and then he goes into why that meditating uh, is so important, what it does. Psalms 1 verses. Uh, one uh, uh, verses three. Uh, let me read that real quick. Psalm chapter one, verse number three. He said, "And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind driveth away. And here's the deal: when we take time. To meditate in the word. That time of meditation brings a change in our life that is essential. Now, listen, I, I know that word is not often used in Pentecostal realm because the Eastern mysticism and transcendental meditation, they have sabotaged and kidnapped that word and they have made it a part of their vernacular. But here's the difference between Christian meditation and Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is based upon one principle, emptying your mind. But Christian meditation is based on filling your mind, saturating your spirit. And so that is the reason that meditating. So what is meditating in simplest form? Meditating is simply the practice of, of thinking about God and His Word on a daily basis and allowing those thoughts to begin to shape and form and cleanse and wash your mind and your spirit. It's reflecting on the meaning of the Word. What did that say to me when I read? What did resonated in my spirit when I read that? How does that apply to my life? Pondering its purpose, speaking and allowing it to speak into our life. It's, so, it's good every once in a while just to take the Word and read it out loud. 
As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to do something here at the church that some of you may think is a little crazy, but we're going we're gonna to be filling this atmosphere with the Word of God on a, on a regular basis. It's going to be recorded. It's going to be played before service, after service, during the week. It doesn't say who reads it. It doesn't say if I, only if I read it. But when that word is proclaimed, something powerful is going to happen. And so we can't be here at all times. But I know there's a way that there can be word that can be filling this atmosphere continually so that we come in this building. There's something powerful already resident in this place because it has been saturated by the word of God. Amen. There's no formula for meditating. It's simply taking the time to say it, read it, ponder it, apply it. And the end result of my, in my life is change that will shape me more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The purpose of meditating is to equip us to do according to his word so that I may prosper. Amen. God wants you to prosper. He wants you and I to have good success. Unlike the ungodly, the person who delights in God's law, he said he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, fruitful, green, amen, desirous, prosperous. Praise God. And then last thing I'm closing, cultivate a commitment to worship. Now please hear me. Don't tune me out just yet. Worship is not a style of music, nor is it a portion of our service that we give to praise and song. But true worship involves my actions. It involves my attitude. It involves my deeds. It involves my thoughts. It involves my conduct. Here is what true worship to God is. Every area of my life giving honor to him. Every area of my life saying God is most important to him. That's the priority of his life. That's real worship. Now I know we get that confused. We think and we use that word often in here. Let's worship the Lord. And, and, and that's part of it. But that's not all there is to worship. Worship becomes something that I do when I walk out of here and I express my values by the things that I decide to do and the things that I decide not to do. The things that I will allow into my life and the things that I exclude from my life. That is true worship. And that's what the Lord, He seeks true worshipers. What's a true worshiper? people who worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not just coming into a place where they throw words up on the screen and we sing and, we, and the songs lift us and we get excited and then we go out and our attitude and our spirit and our actions speak the opposite of what we sang about in, just, in the service prior, true worship is when what I do in here is reflected in what I live out there and what I live out there is reflected back in this building. It covers every area of my life. That is true worship. And I believe that that's where God's trying to take Greater Life Church. Worship is allowing God to influence every area of my life and honoring him. Listen to what he said in Ephesians, and I'm closing with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, and there's other translations that give clear understanding to what uh, is said there. But this is how the Amplified version reads. It said, assuming that you have already heard him and been taught by him, as all the truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him, strip yourselves of your former nature. That means put off and discard your old unrenewed self. 
which characterizes your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Listen to how the Passion Translation says. He said, if you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. That is true worship. Not just here, but out in that foyer and out in that parking lot and in your home and on your job and at the store. Oh, Lord, I don't need, I don't need this. And on the freeway. Amen. Now, you have to really pray. I have to pray about that one. Praise God. But I want to be a true worshiper. I don't want there to be an inconsistency in my life that I only do it when I'm seen. I want it to be a daily part of my life. My relationship with God, when it is characterized by that kind of devotion and worship, is going to grow and strengthen and deepen And out of that is going to come a powerful, powerful move of God in our midst. When every part of my life reflects that he has transformed me. Amen. Let's stand together. Put away the old man. And you know what I've learned? I have to do that on a daily basis. Paul said, I die daily. I I don't know what all he meant by that, but I have a feeling. Part of what he meant was there was a nature that he had to deal with on a daily basis. He had to get up in the morning and say, you know what, buddy, you're not ruling my life today. You're not in charge. The Lord sits on the throne of my life. Amen. Let's let's grow, church. Let's allow God to develop us. Prayer, meditation, the word, reading, getting into the word being part of a continual chain of reading that word. Powerful things happen. I remember years ago, we were just a small group. We were in the shopping center, and I wanted revival so bad. And I'd been, I'd been raised at Life Tabernacle around there, all-night prayer meetings. And when you only got about 15 people, all-night prayer meetings wind up being all-night your meeting. But, they, you know, they always had so many people that did the all-night prayer meetings. And then I remember they read the Word of God through from Genesis to Revelation. Anybody remember that? Read the, the Bible through. Somebody was in the pulpit 24 hours a day from, Re, from Genesis to Revelation, read the whole Bible through. Even the begets and the begottens. Fifteen people. You can't do that. So this is what I did. I did what I said a while ago. I went and purchased... A, a CD that had the entire Bible on it. And I put that in a CD and I put it on play and it played 24 hours a day from the time we left on Sunday until we came back on Wednesday, left Wednesday, came back on Sunday. It was being read constantly. And I watched as a transformation came into our place. It was so powerful. I can't even describe to you. One night... I saw God move in such a profound way, and I, I, I thought, God, what, what is, and then it rem, I was reminded, it's the word. It's that word that's being declared. There's life in that word. There's power in that word. So I know we're much larger, and we probably could do that 24-hour, but even if we can't, that word can still be declared only. There's other ways of, there, we don't have to not let that keep us from experiencing the power of that word. Church, I'm hungry, and I'm telling you right now, I was a pitiful pastor for a lot of reasons last year. I want to be better this year, but I made up my mind. Whether you come along on that journey or not, this guy's going on a journey to a deeper place. 
I want you to come with me. And I believe you're hungry for that too. But even if somebody decides I'm not interested in that, this man is interested in it. I know too much about God. I've seen too much about what he can do. I've experienced too many miracles and things that God has done for me to be satisfied with patty caking for Jesus and thinking I've had church. And guess what? You know what's turning the hearts of people? When they come in, they don't understand our ways. I had somebody ask me the other day, do y'all do that every service? And I said, what do you mean every service? You mean worship? Yeah, we do that every service. Exuberant, most of the time. Sometimes it's more lively. No, 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 no. What y'all did at the end of service, altar service. She had no idea that that was something that we practiced. She didn't understand that. And we're going to have a lot of people come in here that's not going to understand it. That's why we better be wise and be careful about laying hands on people and going to people we don't know and praying without asking or, or getting permission. Why? Because they don't understand our life. We understand it. We've been around it all our life. We expect. I grew up in this. I, just, I mean, people have been laying hands on me since I was a child. It doesn't frighten me, but there's people coming in our doors that don't know anything about that, but that's what's drawing them. There's something powerful that happens when we really reach out to God and we allow God to move and we want to keep that going and we must not do it on our own. We have to have that connection. Everybody say connection. Connecting to God. And there's many ways, and there's other ways than just the five that I mentioned, but those are the five best ways I know to get a real good connection going on and watch what happens. Amen. Powerful things take place. Praise God. Lift your voice with me right now. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it's done in my heart. I know I'm not where I need to be, God. I know I'm not the man that I need to be, but I am working tonight to draw close to you. I, I know that I do not work for my salvation. You purchased my salvation and you gave it to me, but I am working to be a better man, Lord, because I am striving to enter in at the straight gate. I want every blessing, every mercy, every grace. I want every miracle. I want the power of Pentecost in our midst, Lord. I want the Holy Ghost to be poured out in here and I want it to begin in me. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.